0: To be a self necessitates caring for the self. The challenge for all people, and especially for us as people of faith, is to what degree? A woman who was well off once went to a psychiatrist for help, and he said at the first interview, now tell me about yourself. She needed no second invitation. At the end of an hour in which she talked the entire time, he said, that will do for now. I'll see you again next week. This exact same pattern repeated itself for four or five weeks. Finally. At the next session, the doctor said to the patient, I can do no more for you now. I advise you to go as soon as you can to the Grand Canyon and there take a long, lingering look at something bigger than yourself. Unfortunately for some people, There is little, if any, awareness of anything bigger than themselves and their little world. They have given in to the tendency of self-gravitation and the need to be at the center of things. From the world of country music comes this intriguing line. We live in a two-story house. She has her story and I have mine. The implication of the song is that each individual had to be at the center of their space and therefore did not really connect because to be at their own center, they had to be at two different places. There are a lot of people who are extremely concerned about shoring up their own personal relationship with the Lord before they are willing to hear and respond to the needs of those around them. And I suppose, if we were all really honest, there have been times when we've wanted to make our future more secure. Like the disciples, when they were jockeying for position, and once Jesus was to come into his kingdom, they said, Lord, may I sit at your right hand? Has it ever bothered you when someone you've met someone who assumes that they will be seated there and that they have such a smug relationship with Jesus, like they've got him right there in their own hip pocket. Have you ever met anybody like that? I have. It's one thing to seek and have a personal relationship with the Lord. That's good and that's scriptural. It's quite another thing to seek and desire a private, individualistic an extra special relationship. Individual Christianity, as I've said before, is a contradiction in terms. Individual, contra- individual Christianity is a contradiction in terms. And so, the naturalist and author of that beautiful story, The Star Thrower, Lauren Isley, can write Do not forget your brothers and sisters, nor the green wood from which you sprang. To do so is to invite disaster. Today, more than ever, we have a need to care for God's creation. There is so much good in the beautiful world around us that God has made and given to us. And we are called as stewards of God to care for this beautiful and wondrous earth that we get to live in. And if we don't, our children and our grandchildren will pay an enormous price. So hear these words again. Do not forget your brothers and sisters, nor the greenwood from which you sprang. To do so is to invite disaster. As we remember this, it calls to mind the question, do you ever seem to have people inside you? Do you ever seem to have people inside you? Not really having them, but like a part of them is inside you. Now, I know that I can never be you and you can never be me or anyone else, but our faith or lack thereof can have a tremendous impact on one another. Hence, our sermon title for today, The Faith of Others. Never mind about yourself. Am I saying we should have no concern for ourselves and our faith? Of course not. But to have a self-gravitating world where the primary focus of our faith is really on ourself and our own individual relationship with God, this is not right. So let's return to our text, that long text from Hebrews that Melanie read so well. It was long on purpose. Now, I'm not going to reread Unless you want me to, I could, all right, I won't reread the passage. But its message is significant. For the author of Hebrews wants to stress the importance of all these forebearers in the faith in relationship to where we are today. By faith, we are told, in verse 3, we understand that the world was created by God. And where do we get our faith? It has been passed on to us by the likes of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Samson, David and Samuel, just to name a few. Now there's a good remark about tradition by that wonderful English author and theologian G.K. Chesterton. He said, Tradition, tradition is the democracy of the dead. Tradition is the democracy of the dead. It means giving votes to that remotest and obscurest of classes, our ancestors. It refuses to submit to the arrogant oligarchy of those who simply happen to be walking around right now. Our ancestors in the faith have passed on to us a rich tradition indeed. The faith of others also includes the countless numbers of folk whose name don't, appear in the Bible, the pages of history. Simple folks like you and like me, who will never be famous, but sought to be faithful and to share the good news of Christ. The faith of others can include those people around us who have had a significant impact on our lives. Well, look at the other story that Michelle read from Mark. You remember how those friends, they can you just picture it? They climbed up on a, ro- on a roof, but then they had to get this guy on a pallet. They had to get him up there. So they had to use ropes, all jockeying and moving them at the same time. And then they they tear a hole through the thatched roof. And then they have to very carefully with, with all four ropes right at the same time lower him down into the presence of Jesus. Do you know how he was healed? What What prompted Jesus' response? Did you catch it? When he saw... Their faith. Not the, it, it, there was nothing about the paralyzed man. When Jesus saw their faith, he healed him. Well, that's the amazing thing about the story. That their faith, the faith of others, is so important. And how many times, how many times have you felt paralyzed? How many times. Have you felt unable to make a decision stuck in discouragement or zapped of all energy to do anything? And the faith and the encouragement of others helped you to move out in new and positive direction. James Baldwin writes, the moment we we cease to hold each other, the moment we break faith with one another, the sea engulfs us and the light goes out. There's a stirring account of the imprisonment of Bishop Hans Ligy. He was a Lutheran pastor back in 1944, so you've got the context. He also did a lot to help with the ecumenical movement, but he also was part of the movement to stop Hitler. It was a Saturday afternoon in August, and he was in his study putting the finishing touches on his sermon. He was to preach the following day in his church, St. John's Church in Berlin. And then the doorbell rang violently. He went to the door and there stood two men from the Gestapo. They arrested him and a few hours later he found himself in a cell. It's interesting, just a few days ago, a few of us were talking about having visited Alcatraz in the tour. I used to go in and they would actually... Slam the door shut. That's why it's called the slammer. And you'd have a feeling of being in the cell by yourself. Well, that's that's how he tells it. It took all the courage and resolution he had not to lose self-control when that steel door shut behind him. He flung himself on his knees and upon the mercy of God And his faith was soon multiplied by hearing someone whistle the melody of an old hymn. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Our great Redeemer's Christmas. And so it went on, each answering the other with whistled hymns, a congregation of two. No, two multiplied by one other. The faith of others really does play a crucial role for us. Perhaps each of you. Can think of a significant person or persons who have touched your life in very special ways, especially as it applies to your faith and who you are as a Christian today. I know I can think of a few key people who've had a great influence on me. But you see, the beauty of our faith is that each of these persons who've touched us, well, they were touched by someone else. You see, it's an ongoing process. This has been happening throughout history. Someone touches another and someone touches another and so on through the, through the centuries. You may remember Harriet Beecher Stowe. She wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin. She was a forerunner of the whole movement of abolition as here in our country. Her novels lift up the evils of slavery and in the sense that you could say that, like John the Baptist, Baptist, she truly prepared the way of the Lord. But who prepared the way of the Lord in her life? It was her father, stern, old Lyman Beecher. He was a very difficult man at times, and yet his children admired him deeply. He impressed on every one of them that the only real purpose in life is to serve the Lord. You see, I cannot say I believe in Jesus Christ. Well, I can say that, but it's only partially true. It is in the context of faith that it's more accurately expressed that we, we believe in Jesus Christ. I believe because you believe, and others like you believe. And the same is probably true for each one of you. Yet, don't many of us spend a lot of time trying to work out our salvation? The faith of others, never mind about yourself. In the context of speaking our active affirmation in just a few moments, We'll be confessing our belief as a community of faith, and so the I in it will be very small. It is we who believe. But I want to return first to our text from Hebrews, that powerful image in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and weight that clings so closely And let us run with perseverance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You see, the faith of others is finally focused on faith in Jesus Christ. Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato for 50, and Aristotle for 40. And Jesus, well, Jesus only taught for three years. Yet, Those three years infinitely transcend and influence the complete combined 130 years of the other three. Jesus painted no pictures, yet the paintings of Raphael, Michelangelo, and Leonardo da Vinci received their finest inspiration from him. Jesus didn't write poetry, but Dante and Milton and scores of the world's finest poets were inspired by him. And Jesus didn't write any music. Still, Haydn, Handel, Beethoven, Bach, and Mendelssohn reach their highest perfection in the hymns, symphonies, and oratories written in his praise. Thus, every sphere of human involvement has been enriched by Christ. And because of his faith and the faith of so many others, Christ need not be a stranger who lived long ago in a remote world Rather, he can be a living presence with whom we, we can enter into dialogue here and now in our world. So I want to close with two thoughts. The first is a story of a simple man in a simple church. He regularly went to the church every day of the week, and he sat in the front row. This was in a Catholic church. And he looked up at the crucifix every day. And he did this every day for an hour. Finally, the priest decided to ask him why he did it. And he pointed to the crucifix. And he said, I look at him and he looks at me. We too can look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And it is my hope and prayer that each of us can be grateful for the faith of others which points us to Christ. And in this larger context, we can see that the faith truly is a gift. It's not something we gain or have for ourselves, but it's a gift we receive in community with and for one another. It's a gift to share. And then the last thing is a poem by D.T. Niles from Upon the Earth. For me, for me it was not the truth you taught to you so clear, to me so dim. But when you came, you brought a sense of him. And through your eyes, he beckoned me. And through your heart, his love was shed. Till I lost sight of you and saw the Christ instead. Thanks be to God for the gift of the faith of others and the great gift of Jesus Christ our Lord.